quite delighted actually to um, to have Steve Swindon with us this morning. He's a co-founder of Love Satan. Um, Steve established Love Satan in 2017 with his co-founder Nick. Um, Nick's actually been a vegan since the age of four, whereas Steve's been a vegan now for seven years. Seven years, yeah, seven. Yeah, just, then, just seven years. Just this month. Oh right, okay. Yeah, initially to lose weight, apparently, and then recovery from long runs. He's now a seasoned marathon runner. I've been looking at the pictures, Steve. Um, um, competing in Paris, Manchester, Brighton, London, um, in a single month, apparently, to raise money for the local hospice. That's pretty impressive. So Love Satan's on a mission to reduce the consumption of animals and animal products. Um, and to do this, they needed her to find meat alternatives that would, would blow people's minds. Um, so that's where Satan came in. Um, it's an ancient plant-based protein source that um, a few vegans know about, but its protein content is on a par with things like chicken breast, and it's higher than other um, animal sources like pork, eggs, milk, beef, etc. Um, and so Steve and Nick knew that it had great potential um, with its texture, versatility to make different things, and on flavour as well. So they created Love Satan um, and have become the UK's leading brand now for quality satan so on that um i'd like to um introduce steve hi and um, um we'll start and um, steve if you're able to highlight us um in the chat that would be great so firstly steve can you tell me a little bit about what you did before founding love satan and how you came to start the business okay so i've had a, a quite well i say quite a very career i um so before Love Satan, I'd never never worked in the food business before, apart from um, my parents had a sandwich shop many years ago. <laughs> That's my only four into the food business. So previously I was in um, I was in financial services, worked in the city as a, uh, a consultant for many years, sort of project manager, um, um, either, you know, with other consultancies or quite a lot sort of on my own as a sort of a, a kind of a sole trader. Um, and I, um, in the kind of the latter part of my career in the city, I started working more with startups, um, mm -hmm. which uh, gave me a bit of a taste for doing something on my own at some point. Um, and um, when I became vegan, um, that precipitated a whole sort of, change in my outlook really um not just not just from the point of view of you know veganism and health and animal welfare that that but also just generally in my moral and ethical outlook and I started to have real problems with working in the city and I kind of knew I wanted to get out um and I had this hankering to do something in the vegan world met Nick um we were both um we're both attending vegan activism events quite regularly and we we were drawn to each other mainly because we were about 30 years older than everybody else at these events <laughs> and um and we both said we should start a business and um nick had been making seitan uh, as, as mel said nick had been vegan since he was a child was brought up in a meat-eating household so i actually learned learned many kitchen skills um, because he had to make his own food and he he he'd been making seitan for years um, and our um our original idea was to create we were going to create a takeaway business based around seitan and we were doing some taste tests um 
of some of the menus uh, we were thinking of launching, the recipes we were thinking of launching. And um, we both had a light bulb moment. So well, why don't we just make the Sato? Uh, and we did some research, found no one was really doing it at, at scale. And the Sato we tasted out there was, wasn't great. So that's, that's how Love Satan was born in the summer of 2017. Wow. Amazing. So that was the start. So obviously you've now got a, a, quite a range of products. Do you want to tell me a bit about what the current range is you're offering and um, how it sort of came to be and evolved? So we, um, well, we offer um, a range of uh, logs, which are, are um, uh, Satan sort of ready to use and to chop or slice or stir fry or whatever using sandwiches. Um, and we do those in sort of small retail size packs and then we do larger catering size packs. And we also offer a range of um, um, sort of finished products. We use, uh, we've created, we have a, a product called Fake and Bacon. We mm -hmm. have uh, chicken bites, which are sort of like chicken nuggets. Uh, we have chicken breaded, chicken burgers. We also have a sliced pepperoni product. We do pepperoni as a log and a sliced pepperoni product. Um, and we, we are, I mean, we, we, we sell um, uh, into uh, direct to consumer through our website. Um, we also sell into um, retail channels. We're not huge in retail. It's something that we are looking to develop. Okay. We sell, in fact, we, we actually sell into the co-op region. That I'm, I'm up in Norfolk and the co-op region that covers this area, Stockhouse Bacon. And we sell through wholesalers into a number of independents. Um, but the the big uh, sort of the two big sectors for us are um, food service, which is you know um, eating out of homes, so restaurants, catering, that sort of thing, which was a, clearly the sector that suffered most during COVID. And we also sell uh, in bulk into manufacturers, and they use our seitan as uh, an ingredient. In uh, for example, we supply the pepperoni on the Sainsbury's plant power pizza. Uh, we supply um, uh, Satan as a filling for pies that are in Tesco and uh, Asda at the moment. We did have an Aldi pie that stopped for the time being. And also plant pioneers, Satan's plant pioneers, they do a, a sort of a, a, a vegan slice and we supply the Satan for that. Mm -hmm. A number of other of those projects in the pipeline as well. Um, so um, so those are the, the two big sectors. I mean, the, the food service sector is is coming back big time. I mean, we're getting really, really busy on that front. Um, and it's starting to come back and, and you know, uh, hopefully that will continue to grow. Because that's been a, that's, that's always been a sector that we felt very much at home, at home in. Yeah, no, fair enough. It's great, actually. Um, so it's, it sounds like Satan was kind of something of a secret, actually, even among vegans for a while, at least. So how did you set about establishing whether there was demand for it and how much people would pay? Well, um, what we did, um, and, and I've, I've been asked, um, it's kind of asked as a question I get asked quite a lot by other other uh, people doing food startups, how, what's the mm -hmm. first thing you should do? What we decided to do, we, I mean, we literally, we launched in July of 20, end of July, 2017. And the okay. first thing we did was we booked stands at events where we could take seitan and sell it to the public we had no idea what people would pay for it we had no idea really how people would buy it okay. um, and i never forget the very first event we did which was it was a, a vegan fair in tooting um 
we were selling it um, as a, we were people buying it by weight. So people would say, I'd want 100 grams, 200 grams. Nick would, Nick would slice it up. Um, another lady that was working with us at the time, Lizzie, would wrap it, and I would then hand <laughs> the customer take the money. Okay. And that was so we did it as a sort of a deli type style product. Um, okay. And we soon realised actually that that was that was probably not the most efficient way. So we subsequently uh, uh, cut it up and wrapped it and took it with us. But so long. The short answer is we took it to events and we we figured out a reasonable price, and then we worked out. You know, we saw what people were, whether people would buy it. And that's what I say to anybody starting a food business, you know, mm. get, get, if, I mean, COVID has changed uh, a lot. You know, these events aren't quite as accessible, although there are more and more street markets now. Right. Um, actually, take a stand, invest in a stand at an event or a street market, take your product along and try to sell it. And that, you'll, you'll, get, you'll get so much good feedback. Well, as in, uh, useful feedback might not always be good mm-hmm. um, but um you know and have samples there let people try the samples as well and that 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 was the best thing we ever did um because it really we really um um it really gave us very immediate feedback as to how to how people wanted to buy the product and use it and their reactions to it and which flavors we had a range we, we launched with a range of flavors and which flavors were were very popular and which which were less popular yeah, so that's how we started. That's a really interesting comment, actually. I often get asked, how many products should I launch with? Um, you know, should it be one? Should it be 10? Should it be how many? How many is the right number? You know, and I was, obviously some of that's about how much time, effort and money you need to put in to get to that point. But actually talking about choice is quite interesting. Yeah, we I mean, we I think we launched with five flavors. And um, I mean, Nick, Nick's very creative and he, he came up with these flavors pretty quickly. And and at the time we thought, well, you know, we just launched with as many as we can and then we'll just, just drop the ones that, that won't last. And in fact, actually, I think all of those flavors bar one are still in our range now. Um, what's interesting, when you start adding a new flavor is really easy. You just come up with a recipe and add a flavor. Now the size yeah. of adding a new flavor is a huge logistical exercise. Right. Um, and in fact, we're actually going the other way now. We're pair, we're continuing to pare down our range uh, because maintaining multiple flavors, multiple um, um, sort of versions of the product is really expensive. You know, maintaining right. packaging and labeling and um, and all the other things that go with a, um, a new um, a new you know a, a separate um, version of your product. Sure. So I'd, I'd I'd go with this. You know, I'd be pretty open at the beginning. You know, um, create some, but be prepared to cull things because you will, as, as you get bigger, maintaining that range will become very, will become more expensive. Sure, sure. So, so from starting with a, a street store, how did you learn about the different different channels that you could sell through and the opportunities there? Well, um, you know, Nick and I were both new to the food business, so we were, we were, um, and to a certain extent, still are at the edge of our experience every day in this business. Um, we, in the beginning, we thought we would sell direct to the public and grow our website. That's how we thought, and then we thought we'd get into retail magically. We thought the retailers would beat a path to our door. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I never forget, we were really thrilled when we got our first wholesale listing. That was with Marigold. Okay. And I have to say, they were um, they were hugely supportive of us. But what I 
what I realized, uh, it took us a while to realize this actually, is that you know getting a listing in a wholesaler is um is really only one step in a in a several step journey. You know, the wholesalers aren't going to sell your product, they're just a channel, they're just a warehouse. You have to go out there and market your product. Um, and then we realized pretty quickly that retail was a tough space to crack. Right. Um, because you know the, the bar is set, particularly now. Um, you know, the last two or three years, you've seen the quality of packaging and marketing and um, support that vegan products are now getting in the in the supermarkets. I mean, that's a that's a high bar that requires a big investment. Right. Um, so I think retail is probably the hardest sector. So, and then we at one of the events, um, there was a chap who had a restaurant. And he was doing a takeaway stall at the event, and he came across to our stand, and he said, "Oh, I quite like the taste of this. I'll um, I'll buy some." That, so that was our first trade customer. And then we started to grow the trade, the, the restaurant trade customers, um, um, really almost by word of mouth. We didn't really do a huge amount of promotion, right. um, and um, and then randomly we had some manufacturers contact us, say, you know, could you send us some product. Uh, developing products for um, it was uh, Waitrose at the time um, so we sent some off to them and, and that grew into a partnership that is, is a really important partnership for us today um, so um, we didn't really learn about the channels we just kind of almost did it by default by people saying oh I quite like your product I can see you using it here and using it yeah. there um, it, it, my my framing of the channels as direct to consumer, retail, yep. food service, and manufacturing is more is more come from experience now, looking back as to how we're structuring the business, right. um, rather than any particular strategy to approach each of those sectors. Right, um, just got it out there. Yeah, get it out there, get it out there, and sell and talk to as many people as possible. I mean, we learned a lot. Um, we made a very um, probably our biggest um, trade show investment we 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 um exhibited at the casual dining show which is a trade show um in fact actually we're, we're exhibiting there in september um really well established trade show in the in the restaurant sector in the food service sector and we went along there um and we learned huge amounts about how to market to restaurants and getting feedback from customers and in fact we did pretty well at that event we we picked up a, a couple of nice listings off the back of it but it was a big investment I'm, I'm talking even for a basic stand with some sort of basic marketing I and mean, we didn't um i'll never forget we turned up and there was some stands there that were that clearly had tens of thousands invested in them we turned up with the version of the stand we've been going to at vegan events we looked like a a real sort of bunch of amateurs by comparison but even then that investment was around probably four or five thousand pounds by the time we'd set everything up so it was a huge investment for us but but you know events are a, a great way to learn about a sector um and um, i've never regretted doing an event even even the event we we did an event two weeks before lockdown by the time we got we we got into doing the follow-up all of our customers had basically shut through to COVID. Even that event, I don't regret doing it because, you know, we, we've, we're still having conversations now from people we met at that event. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so, so the learning about the sectors was more kind of as things developed, as things went along and understanding which channels, which wholesalers operate within, within, within a channel. Um, 
But, um, you know, I wish I'd known more about it then, but it never had stopped us. We just kind of carried on, really. Um, talking to anybody who would talk to us and selling the product to whoever would buy it. <laughs> actually, I'm going to um, put a question in the chat, actually, from, uh, which is preempted a question I was going to ask anyway, so I'll, I'll ask it now. Um, it was just about um, your investment journey, actually. Did, how, how did you fund the business? Do you have any advice on how to tackle this? Did you self-fund? Or? Well, initially, we self-funded um, for about the first, um, first year or so, and then um, uh, we took an investment um, from um well it's a company called v bytes who invested in us and we now make uh um, and part of the deal was we would then shift manufacture from our kitchen uh which was nick's kitchen and then we went into a um we rented a kitchen a couple of days from a food charity had a very big teaching kitchen we did that for about six months and then we moved manufacturer into into v bytes factory mm-hmm. um um uh and that's um that's really the only investment we've taken so far i mean we've taken some we took advantage of some of the government loan schemes and we did take a small loan out um um prior to that um you you've got to be a bit careful i mean debt is um great because as long as you can repay it it's great because um you know you still maintain control of the business but um You've got to be a bit careful if you're looking for future investment. Um, investors do get slightly nervous in companies that are carrying a lot of debt. Yeah. Um, uh, so um, is, there's a sort of balance to be struck there. But on the other hand, with equity, um, you know, you um, it, it's a very hard journey. You know, it's kind of you've got to go through a lot of detailed stuff to get an equity investment, mm-hmm. um, and you are potentially giving up some control. But you know, the positive side of that is you know you're 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 bringing people people into the team that are going to add to the quality of your thinking and open up channels and have a vested interest in your success um you know so there's there's a yeah there's a difference there cool so just just tell me a little bit i've got a couple more questions and i'll open up for everyone else to um ask some questions so i can see a few coming in already um um how many how how big is your business now how many people are you um um uh I think about eight or uh, about nine people, but not all of them are full time. There's sort of four that are full time, and the rest are uh, part time, um, um, which works really well. Um, um, the other thing for us is we've always been uh, virtual. We've never had an office, so that made the transition into COVID, um, the COVID sort of era, pretty straightforward for us. We were really we were set up. Uh, for that in fact actually I was on the verge of um, looking for an office before Covid um, hit actually we were we were going to establish a base um, thank goodness we didn't um, yeah. so, and, and the intention is I don't think we're going to grow we will grow in terms of the people but I don't see us growing enormously because our intention is to continue to outsource manufacture and buy in expertise as we need it um, um, which is which is what we've done and um you know it's that's worked really well great okay my last question then so I, and I appreciated this actually so just on the back of building your really strong brand you pioneered world satan day um so uh, how important do you think marketing and branding are and has your focus on it changed now i think 
I think it's really, I mean, marketing and branding are really important. And I'm not, uh, I've got to be honest with you, um, I think it's an area that we really need to focus on more. I mean, we've done pretty well so far, mm-hmm. but um, it's um, particularly um, it, 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 in of the four sectors, um, uh, food service and manufacturing, you know, growing a business to business brand is very different from growing um, a business to consumer brand. Um, the business to business brand, they're not, they're less bothered about the brand. They're more bothered about the fact that it's a consistent quality product at the right price, because ultimately it's going into products that are not branded uh, or certainly not, not, not branded for us. Whereas the retail and direct consumer, clearly it's our brand. Um, and uh, that's an area that we really want to invest in um, a lot more um, um, going forward. Mm-hmm. Um well, you know, I think um, um, I think it's really important to establish. I mean, you know, people talk about mission statements. I think it is really important to establish kind of what you're about, um, and and kind of constantly remind yourself of that, um, and also be be prepared to 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 change it and um, change the messaging. Um, um, particularly, I mean, interestingly, one one debate we're having internally now is, you know, um, for us, you know, the vegan market is really really important. But you know the the there is a huge flexitarian market, and they they're receptive to different messages. Um, um, they're not not it's not I'm not saying they're not receptive to the vegan message, but but their drivers are different. Um, and um, we're thinking about how we how we expand our messaging to be to to be relevant to that sector. You know the people who are looking to sort of cut down on meat. Um, um, because that, that that's a huge sector and it, it's growing. I mean, you know, there's various estimates. You know, um, two thirds of the population, I think, is one I've heard that you know, are are flexitarian. I mean, there's no definition of flexitarian um, um, at all. But it's you know, it's people who are more conscious about the, um, the amount of animal products they're eating, looking to cut down, maybe are eventually looking to eliminate, but they may not ever get there completely. So we're looking at how our brand. Can speak to them as well um and that 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 might require us to change things um and um you know um uh, uh, and and try to sort of emulate some of the success of some of the existing vegan brands that really are pushing successfully into into, into that kind of more broader demographic okay cool all right i think um i will i'll stop i have loads more questions i'd like to ask you so um if anyone, there's one or two in the chat, I'm happy to read out as well. But if anyone would like to unmute and ask Steve a question, please, please do. Um, while um while you're just thinking about that, I'll read. We've had a question from Prashant. Um, have you been? How have you been able to track sales to flexitarians? Is the question. Um. Well, we, I mean, it, it, you you can't directly, but um, we um. We are about to do a survey where we will ask uh, one of the questions will be people's dietary preferences. Right. Um, and, and that will give us some indication. Um, but, um, but it is really tracking, tracking the, the specifics as to who buys your product is, I mean, incredibly difficult, if not impossible. Um, um, so no, I don't, I don't. We haven't managed to track that, but but we we will imply it through through some of the or deduce it through uh, the survey results. 
Okay. Uh, oh, question from Jivan. Actually, Jivan, do you want to? Are you question? I think at the start. Do you want to unmute and ask? Uh, hello there. Yes. Um, I just wanted to ask. Uh, obviously, I've got a couple of vegan products that I've developed. Um, I'm wondering. Sorry. Excuse me. I'm wondering uh, if. I can get in touch with your company and maybe you know present them and see if you'd like to maybe start you know getting business with each other. I've got a couple of small businesses interested in at the moment, but I thought I'd take the shot and see if you'd be interested. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, happy if you'd be in touch. We, we're not. I, I think you said. I think I've seen here in the chat. You developed 100 vegan. Scotch egg, that sounds really interesting from a personal standpoint, if not professional standpoint. I mean, I don't know how much you're prepared to share as to how you've done that, what, uh, what, it, what it is. Well, this the, yeah, it's the thing. Because of what's in it, I'm a bit reluctant to share openly what it is, but that's why I wanted to maybe get in touch with you privately. Uh, I'm looking to try and find out how to send samples to different people. So if you'd like me to send you a couple to try I'd be more than happy to do that. I mean, look, I'm happy for you to do that. I've got, I'll, I'll be really honest with you. We, we, we're not looking to take the product in that direction. But okay. um, ultimately, um, the thing with something like a vegan scotch egg is that um, you, 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 it's getting a manufacturer interested who has the capability to do it. Mm. Uh, there's a huge, and I'm sure you'll appreciate this, and forgive me if I'm t telling you something obvious, there's a big difference between you creating something in your kitchen and a manufacturer creating it you know, in a repeatable way at scale. Um, I mean, there's yeah. some very clever manufacturers out there. And Mel, Mel, I mean, Mel's an absolute, you know, huge encyclopedic knowledge of what's out there. So I'm sure Mel can help as well. Very well. Um, yes. But... Um, um, so I could, I mean, I'm, I'm happy to sort of point you in the direction of people who might be able to help. It's not something that that, that we're specifically looking to do. We're not looking mm. to take the product in that direction. I wouldn't rule it out, but it's not an obvious. Um, okay. Where we sort of start and end is we take seitan and we shape, we, we shape it, we cut it, and we bread it, and we fry it. Um, and that's about the about the process, sort of limit the processing that we 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 are going, we're planning to do right now. Mm. I think I think things like that. If you can, um, if you've, I mean, I don't, you know, it'd be interesting to see what what you've done. But something like that. Um, it, I mean, people, particularly vegans, often sort of, you know, wonder, well, why is it? Why is it we're creating? Why do we want to create copies of what's out there already as a meat product? And I think the point is, these are really clear reference points for people. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if you give someone a Scotch egg, they kind of know what it is, um, yeah. and they know what they've got to do with it, and. Uh, and that that is important, particularly for the flexitarian market. And I think Scotch eggs is a really interesting one because I don't think anybody's really done it yet. Um, I think Sainsbury's might have something, sort of they call them picnic eggs, I think. I haven't tried them. Um, but uh, egg, egg is definitely something that is has not been very successful, I don't think. Okay, so I'm, I'm going to finish with one last question if I can sneak it in. What's next for Love Satan? Uh, so next is uh, we are looking at um, sort of uh, additional manufacturing uh, partners. Um, we want to expand our retail range, um, and um, so we're looking for, for manufacturing partners who have some of the packaging capabilities that our current manufacturer um, doesn't have, um, and uh, we're potentially looking. 
I mean, we were prior to Brexit. We were we were so we did have some interest in in Europe, and it's, Europe is still um, a potential market for us as well. Very different logistically now. Um, we're going to have to think through those logistics, but there, there is clearly demand out there, um, both in terms of retail and food service and manufacturing as well. That those those are two things, and I think retail here is 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 something that that we we're definitely looking at. Uh, pretty closely as well. Uh, what we need to do to the branding and 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 what kind of what would appeal to the big multiples in terms of a um, a satan a finished satan product. Well, exciting, right? Well, thank you ever so much, and thank you everyone. If you've got a question about your product development, you can always contact us via the website www.proghop.co.uk. You can book a free of charge introductory call at www.bocop.co.uk forward slash meet. You'll find a wealth of free resources for starting, developing and scaling your food or drink product and business at www.bocop.co.uk forward slash resources.